last week, people started making requests. Elderly, taking in water rapidly, waist deep, please assist. That was a 77-year-old man. From a 24-year-old man, please help me and my four-month-old are in the attic. From an 85-year-old woman, dialysis patient, last had dialysis on Wednesday. For each of these people, however, who were calling out for help, their cries were heard. Because as flooding began in Houston on August 26th, Matthew Marchetti and Oliver Carter, two business people who are lifelong members of Chapelwood United Methodist Church, began observing all of the chaos and the confusion as Houston's 911 system was completely overwhelmed. And volunteer rescuers who had boats wanted to be able to help, but they didn't know how. They didn't know how to find the people who were in need. So these two young men, Matthew and Oliver, came up with a design for a web app, and they called it HoustonHarveyRescue.com. It essentially works like Uber for disaster victims, where people who need rescue are located on a map, and this is connected then with volunteer rescuers, where flood victims would enter their location, their phone number, the number of people in the home, and their ages, pets, and medical needs. Those reported as being in imminent danger appeared as red pens. Everyone, once they were rescued, were marked as safe. And at the bottom of the site's homepage, there was a message from the book of Psalms. Rescue me from the floods. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who harm me from the deep waters. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. By 6 a.m. on Sunday, August 27th, HoustonHarveyRescue.com was up and running. And a few hours later, the Cajun Navy, which was an informal network of boat owners who, who were volunteering with the rescue efforts, they posted the site on their Facebook page. And that's when the site blew up. I just lost it, said one of the young men. I cried for five minutes. I realized we're actually going to save some people with this. By Wednesday night, the site had more than one million hits. They dispatched another fleet called the Chapelwood Navy, based out of Chapelwood United Methodist Church. And over the next few days, the site handled 7,802 rescue requests. By Thursday, August 31st, as the waters had begun to recede, these two men who started an app connecting people who wanted to help with people who needed to be rescued, 
they could finally break for showers and a meal after only having slept seven hours since Sunday. They're open sourcing their solution and working to make it available so that other cities in the future can take advantage of this wonderful, gracious way to help amplify the cries of those who need help the most. There's so much in this Exodus chapter 3 passage where Moses comes and he sees something and he turns aside to pay attention to it. And he hears someone calling his name, Moses, Moses. The really amazing thing to me is not just that this bush was blazing but not consumed, but that Moses had completely given up on there ever being another way for their society to be, and he had run away. Moses, who had been born into slavery and then miraculously adopted into a royal household, he had attempted to achieve justice. And his justice that he attempted to achieve was by murdering a man. But that wasn't justice. After Moses murdered a man, he had to then run away and he ran far, far away. And he settled down, he got married, he tended sheep. And the situation that he had been in previously and the situation that his people were in was just off there. And he could perhaps have been hearing the cries. Who knows how he was scarred and how he carried those cries with him each and every day. But it didn't seem to matter because did God actually hear their cries? And then God says, I have heard the cries of my people. I have heard the cries of my people in slavery. And God comes to Moses. He knows Moses has heard those cries too, even though he hasn't done much about it, even though what he has done backfired, even though he's set on his path, not ready to turn aside, not ready to do anything. God says, I've heard these cries of my people. And you have too. And we're going to go do something about it. Moses goes and he risks his own life to help and rescue his people. And as we embark this year on our new mission theme, 
Our mission and justice theme is a healthier St. Louis. And um, if you're not too embarrassed, Janet, if you can wave back there. Maybe not. Okay. (laughs) There, look. Oh, amazingly, Janet's hand went up in the air. Janet has designed our Advocate, Care, and Serve logo that we have on the cover of our bulletin. We're so excited to have this Healthier St. Louis theme um, to help us to pay attention over the next year on how we can work towards a healthier St. Louis. And we're going to do it in three areas, advocating, caring, and serving. And then serving and advocating. I wanted to tease those words out today using the terms justice and mercy. And we'll continue exploring these, but each week from now until the end of the school year, we'll have different ways in which we can be ready to serve and advocate, ways that we can work for justice and mercy as we work towards a healthier St. Louis. And the justice and mercy with which Moses is acting and is called to act is that Moses isn't just going back and helping one person escape from a bad situation. That would be mercy. Mercy is helping people as much as we can within the situation, horrible situation, in which people find themselves. So Moses could have gone back and he could have found his sister Miriam and helped her to escape. That's an act of mercy. Moses was sent back not just for mercy, but for justice, where the entire slave system that Egypt was relying on was going to be overturned where not just one or two or three people, but all of the people were going to make it to freedom. Moses was going back to Egypt, and he was going back to Pharaoh, who had been one of his adopted family members, and he was going to say, let my people go. Moses had a message sent from God born out of the deep cries of the people that was calling for a completely new society, a completely new way of being. Now, justice and mercy are both very, very important. Sometimes while we're working and fighting for justice, we have to do these acts of mercy because there are people literally dying while we wait for the complete social transformation that's coming. We also have times, though, when if we just do acts of mercy, then we're never really challenging or changing the total situation in which people find themselves. And I think about the Exodus story, particularly in the pre-Civil War era in the United States, in which you had lots of genteel slave owners who were maybe, not lots, but maybe they were teaching some of the enslaved people how to read. 
I mean, that would be an act of mercy, right? Or manumitting one or two enslaved people. But the justice that was called for was to upend the entire slave system. The justice that was called for was to create a new world in which every single person could truly be free. And just having mercy on one or two people at a time wasn't going to produce the big society transformation that God calls for, that God says is possible. So as we think about justice and mercy with Hurricane Harvey, our mercy can look really phenomenal the way it did for the Houston Harvey rescue people. That was an act of mercy where web app developers did what they did best, developed a web app that saved 7,000 households. That's amazing and wonderful. And I'm proud of the United Methodist Connection and the United Methodist News Service that brought that story. But there had been people prior to Hurricane Harvey who had analyzed Houston's risk of being hit with a hurricane and who'd been making recommendations about what the city and the region could do to prepare. Justice is making sure that that kind of research happens and it's listened to and it's acted on and that we are able to work to prevent and have in place the best possible response systems. When West Virginia was hit by floods and the United Methodist Community on Relief was there to respond, and I'm from West Virginia, and I was so excited and grateful that this was happening. But I got so angry during the recovery, the more and more it came out, that there was actually a government report about 15 years ago that detailed all of the ways West Virginia was at risk and all of the things that needed to be done in order to prevent the massive de devastation that we saw. But we are mobilized more for mercy than we are for justice, because sometimes justice seems too big and too hard to tackle. So this morning, we're going to receive an UMCOR offering, which is United Methodist Committee on Relief. And we do this anytime there is a U.S. disaster or an international disaster, and 100% of our gifts are going to go directly towards those mercy and mission ministries. In fact, the United Methodist Church is already on the ground because as we respond to this crisis and send flood buckets and things like that, it replenishes supplies, and then for the next crisis, we're already prepared. And all of the overhead for our UMCOR offerings is paid for by the United Methodist Church at times other than the, than the disaster. And so as we continue to give today, I'm so excited for that opportunity. I know, though, 
that our mission and mercy giving has to be backed up with our commitment to justice and our commitment to see an entire transformation of the way things are. So, Brad, how many new light bulbs have you put in lately? You've installed 150 new light bulbs in the church, and how many more to go? 250. So anybody who likes to install light bulbs and tall ceilings, please see Brad right after the service. Do an act of mercy. Help Brad install these lights. We here are committed to combating climate change. And we're replacing all of the light bulbs in our church to ones that are going to have a less destructive impact on the environment. And as we look at climate change and the way that it exacerbates the most vulnerable people around the world with horrific weather patterns, with rising levels of hurricanes and other acts of nature or acts of God, we're going to be on the forefront of the justice work to make sure that we're doing both mercy, both that immediate care and the justice long-term hearts as well. And starting next Sunday, each time you see that Advocate Serve Care logo in the bulletin, we will have a different idea of ways in which we can advocate, care, and serve. So I want to conclude today by asking you to brainstorm what are ways that we can serve or show mercy as we create a healthier St. Louis. You can brainstorm out loud. What are ways we can serve with mercy with a healthier St. Louis? Buying things for the food pantry. What'd you say? Healthy things, yeah. So check the uh, check the salt content on the uh, soup cans. Yes. Volunteer for HPES, which is Health Protection and Education Services. Um, so we can do health screenings for people who don't have insurance or access to doctors. Yes, Rich. Doing home repair for seniors and other elderly people or people with disabilities. And is there a way we can do that, Rich? Basically, go see Rich. (laughs) And we have Shed, and we'll do home repair for that. And that's environmental health, because this environment that we're surrounded by impacts health greatly. If you have mold in your home, you're not going to be healthy. So as we work for a healthier St. Louis, it's more than just our physical health. It's all of this. All right. What are ways that we can advocate? What are ways we can work for justice for a healthier St. Louis? Elect people who implement policies that are justice-filled. Absolutely. And one of the things we can do as a church is I'll never tell you who to vote for um, because, honestly, every politician ever disappoints me. True fact. 
And I don't think it's the role of the church to endorse particular candidates. But what we do is we talk about the issues and talk about what's at stake. And so we'll continue to talk about these are the issues that you might want to consider as you prepare to vote. All right, what other ways can we advocate? All right, so we can contact legislators and advocate for policies to improve the health of St. Louis. Um, just spitballing here, uh, do we need to advocate in ways for the VA at all? Always good. So we've got some people who work for the VA here. Um, so we can do anything to help um, to help put systems and processes in place so that people are taken care of. All right. So financial support. Uh, of organizations that, that really advocate on behalf of people who are financially disadvantaged or otherwise disadvantaged in the system. Yeah. Advocate to shut down the workhouse and to end cash bail. All right. So, at week, so advocating to shut down the workhouse and the cash bail. Yes. Just looking for somebody crying. Yeah. It took us a long time to find you today. I was surprised. <laughs> but paying attention and then letting other people know when there are people who are hurting. One thing I found is that just saying, hey, this for the sake of all report that our mission and social justice team has been reading, it has some shocking statistics in it. Maybe you'd be interested in watching this video with me. Maybe I'll share this on Facebook. So we'll have many, many, many more ideas on how we can implement both mercy and justice over the coming year. But I want us to be thinking right now, what does it mean to advocate, to care, to serve? Or as Micah puts it, to do mercy, to do justice, to love mercy, love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God.